Hi, and welcome to this week's edition of the Ocean View Podcast. No matter where you're at in our country or around the world, we thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Now sit back and enjoy this week's message. Um, it is great to welcome you here, especially if it's your first time. You picked a great Sunday. Today we start a brand new message series entitled Things That Go Bump in the Night. And over the next course of the next three weeks, uh, we're going to be dialing in on the uh, topic of fear. Now, the truth is, is there are many of us that are in this room that we have a lot of different fears. Um, I'll be honest and transparent. I don't like bugs. Um, I, I hate spiders. Yes, I used hate in church. I hate spiders. Um, it, I'm going to be transparent. In my house, I have a 10-year-old and I have my wife. And if there is a spider or a bug, unless it's to kill them, um, I, I don't want anything to do with them. I will call my 10-year-old out before I will go. Um, yes, I have no, no shame about that. That is the truth. Um, there are a lot of fears and those fears come from different aspects of our life, from our past experiences. Um, maybe something has happened and it causes you to, to be paralyzed and to lock up. And so over the course of the next three weeks, we're going to see what God has to say, see what Jesus has to say specifically about fear itself. And today um, I'm really excited because uh, as we talk about fear, we're going to talk about a topic that many of you probably have never, ever thought about but maybe you participate or have this fear every single day. I would venture to bet to say this about 98% of those sitting in the room and watching online right now, fear this every day and don't realize it. So before I share that with you, I'll share a story with you. Uh, My brother and I, 1981 Christmas Eve night, we had just gotten home from my aunt's house. Um, The tradition was that we go to our aunt's, we kind of exchange presents with our cousins, and uh, we come home, and then we get to bed because that night Santa's going to come, and there's going to be presents, amazing presents waiting for us the next morning. And so on Christmas Eve night, we're sitting there, and I remember my mom, she comes home, and I don't know why, I I I still don't understand why it was really, really important for us to go to bed early on Christmas Eve night. I don't understand that thing. But uh, my mom used to say, you know, Terry, get to bed early. Terry, you need to go to bed now. Go to bed. But mom, mom, I want to see Santa. No, no, no. You need to go to bed early because, you know, if you're up, you know, he won't come. And I'm like, okay, okay, okay. So we, my brother and I, we go down the hall, we go into our bedroom. Uh, about an hour after we'd fallen asleep, we heard a bump in the night. And uh, so I got up and I thought, Santa's here. So I remember going out the door and I remember seeing a light on in the kitchen. I remember walking down. And and the truth is, I didn't want to miss out on what was happening. I wanted to see the reindeer. I wanted to see Santa. I wanted to make sure that I had all that I needed to know about. I had this fear of missing it. And so going down the hall, I remember looking around the corner. And in the kitchen, there was my mom and dad. And they were wrapping presents. And I remember looking. And and I was like, what are you doing? And uh, I, I learned something that I never knew, that sometimes Santa has parents acting as elves. Sometimes the machines at the North Pole, they don't do the wrapping very well. And moms and dads at times need to wrap gifts. And so I had no idea about this. Um, and they said, now you need to get back to bed because, you know, you, you get, why are you out here? I'm like, well, I just wanted to see what was going on. You don't need to worry about that. You just need to go to bed. So we went back into the bedroom. And the truth is, is many of us, we want 
to know everything. We, we have this fear of not being included. And, uh, and there was a group of individuals in biblical days um, that had that same fear, but probably for the wrong reasons. I'm going to introduce you to a group of individuals that many of you, if you come to church, you know them. Their, their names are the Pharisees. And uh, they're religious leaders and teachers, and um, they were not necessarily doing the heart of what God wanted them to do. Um, but they were constantly going around and wanting to know everybody's business. They want to be able to judge individuals, be able to judge their actions. And I'm going to introduce to you a story where these religious leaders are taking a look at a party that Jesus is at. And they're literally, truthfully, literally staring into the window, trying to hear what Jesus is saying and what Jesus is doing because they want to know every aspect of what's really going on. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to turn to the book of Mark. It's in the New Testament. It's one of the Gospels. It tells about the stories of Jesus and his ministries. We're going to turn to Mark chapter 2, starting in verse 15. You can follow along on your iPad, your iPhone. If you've downloaded the YouVersion Bible app, you can have all the notes provided for you for today's message as well. Or you can take a look at this screen right up here. Here we go. It says this, later, Levi, pause. Levi is Matthew. Matthew is one of the disciples. But for those of you who are not familiar with the Bible, Matthew became a disciple, but he was a tax collector. And so Jesus said, come, follow me. And Matthew said, okay. And so Levi, Matthew, invited Jesus after he said, okay, I'll follow you and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with his friends, his buddies, the tax collectors, and other, don't miss this, I love the Bible, other disreputable sinners. Now, sinners are sinners. There's really not levels of sin. If you, a sin is a sin is a sin. But I love the Bible because it says, no, no, no. Let me give you insight into today. Did you know that in biblical times, if you were a tax collector, you were the scum of the earth? And they even labeled it. No, no, no. Not only are they sinners, but they're disreputable sinners. There were many people of his kind among Jesus' followers. But when the teachers of religious law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with tax collectors and other sinners, I love that, other sinners, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with such scum? Now let me paint the picture for you. Again, this is actually, theologians will tell you, here's what was really happening. So, Jesus goes to Matthew, and if you're ever in Israel, there's the town of Capernaum, which was Jesus' hometown, and right there by the entrance of the city would have been the tax-collecting booth, and Matthew would have been sitting there. Jesus walks into his hometown, he takes a look at Matthew, who is scum of the earth in biblical times, and says, hey, Matthew, come follow me. And Matthew, because Jesus saw his heart, Matthew said, I'll do it. And then Matthew goes even further and says, come to a party. I want you to come to my house. I'm going to invite my friends because I want them to know who you are. I want them to see who you are. Now, the Pharisees, meanwhile, are watching at a distance because they're just following Jesus' every move. They don't want to miss a thing. And they see Jesus talking with the tax collector. Huh, Jesus talking with the scum of the earth. And he invites Matthew, and then they follow him. Literally, theologians will tell you they followed them to Matthew's home. And Matthew had all these other tax collectors. And so the Pharisees are standing outside of the house, looking inside of the window. And as they're watching, they start talking to the other disciples who, quite frankly, are saying, yeah, we wonder why Jesus is talking with Matthew. I mean, really, what's, what's it about? They were so fearful about what Jesus was saying. They were so fearful of how it would affect them and their identity. They had such a great fear of missing out on what Jesus was talking about with regards 
to them. Now, in our society today, I believe that we struggle with the same fear as the Pharisees did. We are growing up with a generation that if you have either kids or if you yourself are in this room and you're about 35 or younger, you have a fear of missing out. Yesterday, I was with a group of young boys because it was a birthday party. And I remember one of the boys, including my son, who said something like this, Ooh, I need to check my video clip from my game. And he gets on the Xbox and he checks a clip and I'm like, what are they doing? And he saves a clip from his game, posts it to social media, and he wants to see how many likes his clip gets. You see, we're growing up with a generation that their identity, their self-worth is being built upon the backs of strangers and people in our communities and around the world that say, ooh, that picture, that statement, that who you are, I like it, or let me respond negatively, I don't like it. And we have a generation who are so fearful about what's going on and so plugged in that their identities are being built. Now, some of you say, oh yeah, Terry, that's just the world today. Did you know that in 2013, the English Oxford Dictionary actually termed a new word based on this phenomenon? And the word is called FOMO. F-O-M-O. It is the fear of missing out. True story. This week I was doing research for it and I came upon that study and I thought to myself, I had never heard of this word before. And I went to some of our younger staff members and they're like, oh yeah, FOMO. Yeah, yeah, yeah. FOMO. FOMO. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm like, have I just totally missed out? Apparently I am. I'm outdated. I've crossed over that hill. Yes, it's downhill from here on out. But for those of you who are like me and have disorder fostered by our constant need to be connected to everything that is going on in the world. Facebook, Snapchat, Twitter, Instagram. It is a real thing. Now, some of you in this room are saying, I don't struggle with this. And by the way, let me preface this. This is not an anti-technology message. I thank God that at times I can FaceTime my family when I'm out of town and see my son or see my wife. So this is not anti-technology. However, I believe in all things there are allowances and time frames and ways that we need to spend our time. And that's where I'm going for today. But I bet that many of you in this room struggle from the fear of missing out, this anxiety disorder. You want to know why? How many of you have gone on vacation and when you get to your hotel room, you're excited, you're going to go, you grab your phone and then you're opening your suitcase and you go to grab that charger and you realize, I forgot my charger. What overcomes you? FOMO. I'd be really careful how you say that. So, but it is true. Someone just got it. But it is true. If you're sitting in the room, maybe you struggle with this. And so I want to ask you five questions. And here's the rules. If you would say yes to four, at least four out of five of these questions, you struggle with the social anxiety disorder known as FOMO. Take a look at this. Number one, if someone calls while you're on the phone, do you take the other call? FOMO. When you receive an email or text notification on your phone, do you instantly read it? FOMO. While working, do you constantly check your email? Guilty. Are you perusing Facebook throughout the day? Let me look at some of my friends who I do this all the time. Drives me crazy. No, I'm just teasing. 
And number five, as a general rule, do you know what's trending on Twitter? If four out of five of those, you'd say, I do that, then you clinically are diagnosed with, well, not maybe not Terry's clinical, but <laughs> good luck coming to my clinic. But anyway, you would struggle with the fear of missing out. And Jesus came to this earth, and I, and, and I want to, oh, I hope that you see this. Because when I was looking at this, you know, Lord, I've, I've really never thought about the truth that of what we're really focused on causes us to miss out on other things. And so what are those things? Jesus actually came because I believe that he saw a group of individuals known as the Pharisees that were so focused on themselves, their identity, on who they were, that they were missing out on the heart of what God wanted. So Jesus comes in and he's about, for those of you who don't know Jesus' ministry, he comes in and he gives a sermon and he attacks a whole bunch of things. And he says things like, well, you have heard it said in the scriptures this, but let me tell you what it really means. And in this one scripture on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus basically is about to say this, you've heard this. In other words, you've been living your life this way. I want to tell you that it's not about this and it's about this. So let me show it and I'll explain it. Take a look here. He says this, you've heard the law, the scriptures that say the punishment must match the injury. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. In other words, you've been living your lives based on this saying, if it says this, you live by the letter of the law, black and white, no grace whatsoever. This is what God wants. However, I, Jesus Christ, son of God, say this, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek as well. If you're sued in court and your shirt's taken from you, give your coat. If a soldier demands that you carry his gear a mile, we talked about this. It was the law. You're to carry his 12 and, 12 and older. You're to carry a Roman soldier's stuff if he asks you to. I tell you, carry it two miles. Give to those who ask. Don't turn away from those who want to borrow. Let me explain this. Jesus basically said this. Pharisees, people, you have been so focused on the letter of the law. Don't do this, don't do this. You have judged every single person. You have been so focused, just tunnel vision on the wrong thing that you're missing what my father really wants. In other words, don't miss this. You are so afraid of missing out on the wrong things of life that you're really missing out on the right things. I believe if Jesus could have tweeted at that time, this would have been his tweet. Take a look. Don't miss it, folks. Trade in your bad fear of missing out of the world for good fear of missing out of my Father's mission. Now, let me explain this. I'm guilty of FOMO. I will just say it right in front of y'all. I sat at my desk and I said, oh my gosh, Lord, you know, I never even thought about that. But then I, I tried to defend myself. Like most of us, every Sunday we try to do, no, no I'm good. God, no, 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 it's not about me. No, it's got to be these other people sitting next to me, my spouse. You know, it's not a message for me. It's for a friend of mine. I sat there and I did that because I thought to myself, you know, God, I'm pretty good with technology. I don't, I mean, I put the phone down. I don't check it every you know, two seconds or this and that. Um, I'm not like most people. 
And then God just said, well, Terry, you know, when do you check your, your text messages or Facebook or this and that? I'm like, well, you know, God, I'm good. Because usually when I'm, when I'm like in a car and someone else is driving, I'll check. Or when I'm at a store and I got nothing to do, I'm waiting to check out. I'll pull my phone out and I'll check. In other words, I'm just using all the time, God. I'm a good steward. I'm using all the time. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm making sure that I'm taking advantage of all the time that I have. And then the Spirit of God grabbed my heart and said, Terry, have you ever thought about what's going on around you when you put your head on that phone? Did you ever think that you might be missing something at the airport, in the plane, in a grocery supermarket? Every time you pick up your phone, if your head is buried in that phone 24-7, did you ever think that you might actually be missing out on what I'm trying to accomplish in your life? I remember sitting at my desk saying, I don't think that's me. So I tested it. I'll try to tell, and you can ask my staff, anything I preach here, I actively, actively, actively try my best to do. I succeed great on some, and others fall flat. But here's what I did. I went to a local grocery store that I love, and I walked in. And as I walked in, I said, all right, I'm going to put my phone in my pocket. I'm not going to pull it out. I'm not going to look at it. I'm just going to walk in. I had one item to get. It took me 45 minutes to get out of the store. The reason being is, as I walked in, I saw right away someone that goes to our church who just started. And I walked up and I said, hey, it's good to see you. They said, oh, I'm so glad you're here because I wanted to know if you would pray for me. And I said, yeah, tell me what's going on. And all of a sudden spent a few minutes and they shared about something that's going on in their life. And I said, I put it on my calendar. I promise that I'll pray with you. They said, thank you, thank you so much. She shared other things that are going on that are incredible that I all all of a sudden have celebrated or connected with. I walked about 20 more feet to the deli section and I'm sitting in the deli section and all of a sudden I said, hey, Pastor Terry. And I'm like, well, hey, how are you? And they said, where you been? And I said, oh, I was on a mission trip. Tell me about that mission trip. So all of a sudden I'm standing in line. Not only did I share about a mission trip to the whole deli department, but all the people standing in line next to me, one person actually says, oh, I have a cousin who is from Bulgaria. What part did you go to? Spent 20 minutes talking about the country of Bulgaria with a whole bunch of people. They finally say, who are you? And I say, well, I'm the pastor over this church. Well, we're looking for a church home. I was like, well, great. Come on by and visit us. So if you're sitting here, I'm glad that you're here. I hope you enjoyed your sub. But anyway, moving on. So I get done. And I go down and the assistant manager is about two aisles over. I go up to him and I said, hey, he goes, where have you been? I said, I couldn't get out of the store. But I walked to my car and I said, God, forgive me. Because I many times I'm so tied into what's going on in my world that I don't take the time to really look at what's going on in your world. And I'm missing out. Drastically. Did you know this? Statistics will tell you. This is a true statistic. 72% of all Americans today in this country, 72% are within five feet of their mobile device 24 hours a day. When they go to bed, it's plugged in right next to them. When they get up in the morning, it's right there. It's in their pocket when they have all of a sudden some bad food and they have to run somewhere, it's still with them. You laugh, but most of you are guilty. Let's just be honest. So if you suffer with the fear of missing out, I want to give you two things you could do this week that will change that 
behavior. Again, not anti-technology. I believe that we should absolutely know what's going on in the world around us, but there is moderation. There are times when we have to unplug and say, God, what are you doing so I don't miss it? Number one, I think we all need to power down. I think every day, many of us, if we don't have a plan, we need to make room for many sabbaticals, daily sabbaticals where you fast from social media. I have a friend who has three teenagers and he described one time for me their dinner where he said he woke up one day, they're sitting around the dinner table, all three of the teenagers around the table. His wife is on one end, he's on the other end. And at one point they all started eating and he looked up and every single one of them had their phone in their hands. And so he made a rule in the house and they follow it to this day that when they walk home from the time they get home till after dinner, not all the time, but the time they get home till after they finish dinner, there is a basket that is at the door. And when every one of the kids, including the spouses, walk into the door, they take their phones, they put it in the basket and it stays in the basket until after they get done with dinner. Why is that important? And this is what God said to me this week because it relates to me too. It says, Terry, if you are so plugged in and so concerned about how many likes you get, how many people have looked at your comment, how many individuals have communicated back to you on social media that aren't even in this area. If you're so consumed with that, it really says this, that you care more about those individuals than you actually do about the people living in your house. How many husbands and wives haven't had a great conversation in months And if you look in the room, they've got their phones. And how many likes, how many comments? All of a sudden, our lives become consumed about what else is going on as opposed to what's really mostly important. Here's the other thing I would say. Social bullying, social uh, media bullying is on the rise. And parents in the room, you need to be very careful about this because our kids are living in a bubble in a world where they're building their own self-identities off the back of how many likes, how many tweets, how many comments that are in the positive. The more positive they get, the more popular they are, the more good they feel about themselves. When you and I both know, that doesn't mean a hill of beans. Our identity is not built off the back of people we hardly know. Our identity is built off of Jesus Christ. And we have kids that are growing up and killing themselves because of something that somebody says, I want you to always remember this. You are chosen and you are cherished. This is far more important than you realize. And if we as parents and adults don't model for them that this is more important, what's happening right here, far more important than how many likes you get, they're going to grow up and their identities are going to be built in the wrong things. So take a daily sabbatical. What is your plan that you have for your family? What is that time period that you yourself say, I am not going to be within five feet of my phone for X amount of time. Try it this week. I guarantee you, you will have anxiety because you're constantly going to be looking at the counter saying, I wonder if anybody's texted me. It's happening. Number two, power up in safe mode. Again, I'm not anti-technology. I do believe that texting is great. FaceTiming is great. I think it's great, all in moderation. So I think you should power up. However, if you remember back in Windows computers, actually in today's day and age for all computers, if your computer has a virus, if it's not working the right way, then when you go ahead and you need to fix it, what do you do? You shut it down and you power it up in what? Safe mode. You get it back to working order and then you go ahead and make sure that you fix whatever needs to be fixed. Many of us need to power down and we need to power up with a plan. Power up with a great plan. 
Here's the truth. When you power up in safe mode, you move beyond your past to a brand new future. Let me share a story about a man. There was a man in the 1950s, late 1950s, who um, all of his life, he dreamed about taking a transatlantic cruise. True story. I'm not making this up. So he spent so much time saving all of his resources so he can buy a very expensive ticket. It was like a 14-day cruise, and he just really wanted to do it. So he saved up all his money. When he finally got enough money to buy the ticket, he thought to himself, I've got enough money to buy the ticket but I got to save up more money to buy the food. And so he went there and he said, oh, but I got a plan. Maybe I've got tons of peanut butter and bread is cheap. If I just pack bread and peanut butter, I can eat bread and peanut butter on the cruise. And I just want to get on the cruise. So true story, the man packed his suitcases with clothes, peanut butter, and bread. He got on the cruise. He was loving life. However, for the first week, he ate bread and peanut butter. He would go and walking around the cruise ship and he would see all the people in the dining rooms dressed up and eating all kinds of amazing food. Smells were incredible. And every night it got harder and he would go to his room and he'd be starving. So finally, seven days into the cruise of bread and peanut butter, he finally sees a butler carrying a tray of beautiful dessert. And he goes to the butler. He thinks to himself, well, maybe this is not that expensive. Maybe I can just buy one meal or whatever. And he goes to the butler. He goes, he said, how much for, for, the, for the dessert? And he goes, um, I don't understand, sir. And he says, no, how much, how much, how much? He goes, sir, do you have a ticket for the cruise? Yes, I bought a ticket. I have a ticket right here for the cruise. I just want to know how much more. He goes, sir, he said, you have a ticket to the cruise. All the food is included. Don't miss this. That man was so focused, tunnel vision on one thing, that for one week he missed out on all the incredible things around him that he could have participated in. How many of us are so tunnel vision and locked in to our world that God could be doing incredible things around us and we totally miss it? There is a passage of scripture that I want to close our time with and I want to draw your attention to it because Jesus talks about us being the salt of the earth. But I want to read that passage with this context and I think you'll see it differently. But then I want to read you a poem that a millennial, a young person wrote about this kind of message and this passage of scripture. Let me read the scripture to you. It says this, Jesus said, you're the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it's lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It'll be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. What good is it if we're so focused on what we have to do that we miss out on what God wants to do in and through our lives? And so Emily Hope Morgan wrote this poem, and it is totally changing the way I ever look at this passage of Scripture forever. Take a look at this. Spicy God, don't you love that? Spicy God, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus proclaimed we're the salt of the earth, but sometimes it feels like those who follow Jesus have lost their saltiness. Sometimes it feels like we've lost any flavor. Blandness, boring, passionless. Start shaking us up, God. 
Help us recapture the flavor we once had and discover new flavors, just like picky eaters can grow into adventurous eaters. Let us grow into adventurous Jesus followers who are seeking out different flavors in the world and who are constantly adjusting our seasoning each time we taste your love. We are the salt for the earth. But I love this. We can also be pepper the cumin, the saffron, the sugar, the curry powder, the soy, the cocoa powder, the basil leaf. Let our lives become a rich stew where individual flavors can be tasted, but where all the flavors work together to make a beautiful, filling meal. Amen. Do you have a fear of missing out on your world? Because if you do, you might just be missing out on what God wants to do in and through your life. Take a sabbatical this week. Start implementing it in your life and watch what God can do. Let's pray. Father, I just, um, I pray for those watching online, for those in the room. Father, this is not going away. This is our new culture. This is our new life. And Father, it's incredible what man has created that you've given them wisdom to do. But God, with everything, there is moderation. With everything, there are choices. There are consequences if we overindulge. So God, this week, I pray for our parents. I pray for our students. I pray for our kids. I pray, God, that we would have the wisdom to know the choices that we need to make. God, may every day our greatest fear be on missing out on what you have for us. So Father, this week, may we recognize this disorder. May we feel it. And may we take the steps necessary to ensure that we live a life that is full of flavor. Spicy God, may you reign in our hearts so that we can be the salt of the earth forevermore. In just a moment, we're going to sing a song and with eyes closed, I just want you in just a moment when I pray and say amen, just to sit back. I want you to listen to these words and I want you to talk to God and think about what he would have you do so that you never miss out on what he has to do. Father, we bless you today and we love you in Jesus' name. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. If you would like more information about the ministries at Ocean View, or if you'd like to speak to someone directly, you can visit our website at www.ovbc.org. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.